In the world today, we have the expression body, mind, and soul, which means the complete person. Sometimes we shorten it to body and soul. But Jesus didn't think of the complete person in this way. For Jesus to refer to the complete person, he would mention body parts that related to three different zones, which scholars today call the emotion-fused zone, the self-expression zone, and the purposeful action zone. Understanding this helps us gain the critical cultural knowledge we need to more fully understand the parable of the sower in Luke 8, verses 5 through 15. The bottom line? Sowing seed in good soil is a metaphor that means you're responding completely, body, mind, and soul, to God's instruction as it's found in Scripture. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. For those of you who regularly listen to the flagship podcast of the Ephesus School Network, that's the Bible's Literature Podcast, you've heard Father Mark and Dr. Richard Benton talk about the Sower passage quite a bit, both as they're going through the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew. And especially in the Gospel of Mark, they show how that becomes the controlling parable, how we are to understand the rest of Mark, how we understand Jesus' teaching, the parables, those sorts of things in the context of the Sower. Well, this past Sunday in the Orthodox Church, we heard the sower again, except this time it came from the Gospel of Luke. This reading was read precisely because we're celebrating the fathers of the Seventh Ecumenical Council, and the way the Church is using the passage is to see the parable of the sower as foreshadowing the fathers of the Council. In other words, they are sowing the seed in the life of the Church, and that's the way that the Church uses it liturgically. But I want to dig in and see how Luke is using it, how people who heard this parable in the first century, how they would have understood it. So the parable is pretty simple. It starts with Jesus saying that a sower went out to sow some seed. A sower is essentially just a farmer, someone who's planting his fields. And Jesus says as he's planting the field, he's throwing seeds all over the place. Some lands on the path beyond the the border of the fields. Some lands on rock, some seeds land where there are thorns, and then some seeds land on good soil. And of course, this is what every farmer wants. Now, this may sound strange to us today, you know, this farmer going out throwing seeds and seeds just getting everywhere. It sounds very messy, very reckless, uh, but this is how farming happened in the first century. What they would do, and this this may sound very strange to us, is the farmer or the sower would go out, he'd have his bag of seed, and he would just kind of throw the seed everywhere. And then after he had thrown the seed all over the fields, then he would plow the fields. And it was just a single plow, usually pulled by two oxen, and he would plow the field going one direction, and it would create the furrows in which the seeds would kind of fall. And this was probably about five inches deep or so. So it wasn't very deep by our standard, and probably not deep enough for the seeds to really have roots that go down. But after he had plowed in one direction, then he would plow in the opposite direction, perpendicular to the first way he had plowed. And the idea was that hopefully going the second way, the dirt as you plow would come 
up and cover the seeds. And finally, what the sower would have to do, or the farmer, is he would go out back out into the fields with a rake and make sure that the dirt is covering all the seeds. And then simply wait for nature to take its course and for these seeds to grow. So that's what's happening in this passage. As we know, agricultural passages are very common in Scripture. The only other metaphor that Jesus or the New Testament authors may use more is fishing metaphors. The disciples as fishermen, or we see Peter or Andrew going out and fishing throughout the story of the gospel. Jesus tells this story, and he just kind of leaves it at that. A sower goes out to sow a field. He throws his seed around. Some seed lands uh, on the path, some seed lands on the rock, some uh, around thorns, and then finally some on good soil, and he leaves. And the disciples kind of pull Jesus aside after he tells this parable to the crowds, and they say, what's going on? What does this parable mean? We don't understand. And this sounds very strange for us as Christians reading the text, because we assume the disciples are Jesus's students. They should know what's going on. They're the ones who have been following him around. So why do they not get it? That's a good question. And sometimes we may not get it. What is Jesus talking about here? So Jesus humors his disciples, and he decides to explain the parable in a little more detail. And so he says, the seed is the logos of God. And that's literally what the, what the Greek says, it's the logos of God. Uh, in English translations, we may say that the seed is the word of God. And here, word can mean several different things, especially the way we use it. So oftentimes, if you're in Protestant churches with Baptists, they'll use the word of God referring to scripture. In Orthodox churches, however, when we say the Word of God, we're often referring to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, who is the Word incarnate. So what does Jesus mean by the Word, the Logos? Well, I think the easiest way to understand this is that what he's referring to is God's instruction. He's referring to what we would call the Old Testament, or the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy that this is where God's instruction, his teaching, comes to the people. So Jesus is saying this word that is being sown is God's instruction given to the people through the law of Moses. And of course, now in the New Testament, this instruction is coming through Jesus himself. And so he says, that's what the seed is. And so it's this teaching being experienced by different types of people. That's the ground, the different types of ground that the seed falls on. So the seed that falls on the path, that is the road, essentially, that's beyond the the borders of the field, represents those who have heard God's instruction, or maybe we would say today, those who have heard the gospel, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. In other words, there's something kind of blocking that instruction. For some reason, they aren't able to hear it and act upon it. In, in first century mind, all actions were motivated by spirits. And so in this case, those who don't act on the word, the devil's acting on them to take them away from it. And so that they aren't saved. Then he says, those seeds that fall on the rock are those people who hear God's instruction And maybe they understand it, but that instruction takes no root. In other words, they know what they should be doing, but they don't do it. They purposely ignore God's word or do the exact opposite. And in Jesus' time, 
This is probably referring to the leadership of the temple, or the Herodian leadership at the time. They had God's word. They were ethnically Judean, so they would have had the instruction. But they chose not to listen to it. They chose to live fancy lives in the big palaces. And if you know anything about the economy in the first century, they were actively enslaving the peasants uh, with taxes in order to get rich, in order to live the high life. And so they were not acting on God's instruction for equality uh, to care for the neighbor. So they had the word, but they didn't listen to it. Then it says that there are seeds that fall among the thorns. And this is very similar to those seeds that fall on the rock. These are people who hear the word of God, but the cares and riches and pleasures of life get in the way. In other words, they choose not to listen to the word of God because it's not convenient for them. It's more fun to ignore it. It's more fun to think about themselves, their own ego, their own luxury in life. And we have that today, right? We have all sorts of people who may have grown up in church, who know the gospel or who have heard it, but that means that they have to alter the way that they live to conform to the gospel. They have to love God and love their neighbor first. But they would rather have the fancy car, the big house, the successful career. And so they ignore the gospel. Or in other words, those pleasures of life choke out God's instruction and they ignore it. And finally, Jesus says there's that seed that falls on what he calls the good soil. The good soil. And here's what the text actually says. But as for that in the good soil, those are the ones who, when they hear the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience and endurance. What the text means here is that the good soil is those who respond fully to God's instruction. In other words, they walk the way, as we say on this podcast. So that seed that falls on the good ground is actually referring to the complete person, that they respond to the gospel completely, fully. Now, we tend to think of the complete person in our society as body, mind, and soul. This is a common phrase that we use a lot. I've seen it even used in advertising. Body, mind, and soul. It means the complete person. But that's not how the ancients thought of a complete person. The Greeks and the Romans thought of the complete person as body and soul. And we think of it that way sometimes too. The body and the soul, the complete person. But the Semitic mind, those people who wrote the Old Testament, those people who wrote the New Testament, the Semitic mind, the Galileans and the Judeans, they thought of the complete person in a different way. So scholars today call this the three zones but that's our terminology. And these three zones have to do with emotion, self-expression, and purposeful action. And again, to label those three zones with those words, it's our terminology, not theirs. But how did they actually talk about those three zones if they didn't use that vocabulary, emotion, self-expression, and purposeful action? Well, they were very concrete thinkers, And so they referred to those three zones with concrete body parts. So if they wanted to talk about the emotion of someone, and remember, emotion in this sense also includes will, intellect, judgment, and personality. If they wanted to talk about the emotion of someone, they referred to the heart or the eyes. Those things that allow us to see 
or gain insight or to understand or to choose or to love or to think or to even value something. So the emotion of someone was referred to either through the heart or through the eyes. The second zone, the self-expression, was referred to through body parts that had to do with the mouth, the ears, the tongue, or the lips. Those parts that allow us to speak, hear, sing, swear, curse, listen, or even to remain silent. The self-expression has to do with communication, especially if it's self-revealing or also listening and responding. So that second zone, that self-expression, they referred to it by using vocabulary words that have to do with the mouth, ears, tongues, or lips. And finally, to talk about the third zone of a person, the purposeful action, the Semitic mind would talk about the arms, the legs, the hands, or the feet. Those things that allow us to walk, sit, stand, touch, or accomplish. That's how they would talk about someone doing action. You know, that refers to the external behavior or interaction with the environment. So the Semitic mind, the people who wrote scripture, thought of a complete person in terms of these three zones. Instead of saying body, mind, and soul, or instead of saying body and soul, they referred to these three zones, this zone of emotion, self-expression, and purposeful action. But as I said, the labels for those zones is our vocabulary. The way they refer to them is through body parts. So to talk about the complete person, they'd mention a body part from each of those categories. For example, they might talk about the eyes, and then the lips, and then the hands. And they'd be talking about the emotional aspect of a person, the self-expressive aspect of a person, and the purposeful action of a person. But what they meant was the complete person. And they spoke, though, in those concrete terms using body parts. And so it's interesting, when Jesus is talking about the good soil, he mentions all three of these zones. So here, let me read verse 15 for you again. But as for that in the good soil, those are the ones who... When they hear the word, so here's the zone for self-expression, right? Hearing has to do with the ears. And so he's now mentioned this, the self-expression zone. So we got one zone covered. Those, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. So the heart is the emotion-fused part of a person, because he's referring to the heart, right? So now he's mentioned two zones, the self-expression and the emotion-fused zones. They hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. So this is the finally the last part, the purposeful action, that that endurance is an action. It's holding that seed and acting upon it. So what Jesus is saying in the parable is that the seed that falls on the good soil has to do with the complete person. They respond fully to the word of God through their emotion, through their self-expression, and through their purposeful action. For us, we might say they respond with body, mind, and soul. And if we were to rewrite this, we may rewrite it in such a way that we mention those specific aspects of a person to make the same sort of point. But for Jesus, and in this culture, in this time, he has to mention these three zones, and so he does. He talks about hearing it, the heart, and being patient or enduring. So if we take a look at the other types of places that the seed lands, we see that the reason the seeds aren't successful is because they're missing one of the three zones. In other words, 
people aren't responding completely. So if we look at the road, the text says the devil comes and seizes the seed from their heart. This is referring to the emotion zone. So they don't respond emotionally to the text. Remember, this has to do with the will, the intellect, judgment, and personality. Then the seed that falls on the rock are those who hear it, but there's no roots, and they end up falling away. And I think this has to do with the self-expression zone. They hear the word, but they don't respond, or they don't completely respond. And so it has to do with that self-expression, that that aspect of the complete person is missing for the seed that falls on the rock. And finally, there's the seed that falls on the thorns. Now, the text says that it never reaches ripeness. And so I understand this as having to do with action. In other words, people don't hold fast. They aren't patient. And so they're missing that part of the complete person that has to do with purposeful action. So the seeds that fall either along the road, on the rocks, or in the thorns is missing one of the three zones. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that they don't respond completely to the Word of God. That the Word of God actually requires that we respond fully. You can't do it um, partially. You have to do it completely. You either have to be fully committed to walking the way, as I would say here in the podcast, or it won't work. It just won't work. It's interesting that on this past Sunday that this gospel was paired with the reading from Titus. Because in Titus, St. Paul talks about what it means to have a hard heart, what it talks about to be choked out by the cares of this world, or to have seed that falls on the rock. And here's what he says in Titus. Um, This is Titus chapter 3. But avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is fractious after admonishing him once or twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful. He is self-condemned. So we see in this case, people either aren't responding to God's instruction and aren't living by it. In fact, they may be doing the opposite of what God requires. They aren't loving their neighbor, or they're being caught up with the affairs of this world, and they're doing all sorts of ungodly things. You know, he, he, he mentions a few things, you know, quarrels over the law, dissensions, arguing over genealogies, and this has to do with honor in the ancient world. And we see this happening all the time in our own churches, right? People argue over the little tiny things that make no difference, You know, they argue over language. They argue over whether you do something one way or another way in church or at coffee hour. And this is exactly what Paul is warning against. We shouldn't be doing these sorts of things because it breaks the community. And we know that someone who breaks the community in Greek, the one who divides is called diavolos. This is the one who breaks or the one who divides. So when someone argues over the little things in church, they're acting as a diavolos, a devil. And this isn't good. And then at the end of the passage, Paul tells Titus, And let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. And here we're back to our agricultural language. Fruitful. If the seed is sown and someone responds to it with all three zones, body, mind, and soul, as we would say, then 
the expectation is that they will bear fruit, that seed will grow roots and grow up strong and bear fruit. Those actions make a difference, but it depends on how we live, how we walk the way. So brothers and sisters, today's message about the sower is about the seed being sown in us and how we respond, how we walk the way, live by what we've heard. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. God bless.